This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. In this episode, we discuss how to not let a bad first experience at a flight school discourage you, especially on a discovery flight. Joining me today is Robert Geyer. Robert, hey, welcome back to the podcast, Robert. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I'm so excited. I got to do a really cool trip. I'm going on another trip tomorrow, but uh, as everybody knows, I'm Super busy with Sun and Fun coming up, and I'm also involved in my local American Legion and the coach of flight team. I don't have any time to sleep. I actually can't wait to go on my trip because sometimes my trips can be a lot like a vacation. <laughs> um, anyway, before we get started, quick announcement, uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses. Make sure you check that out. We have uh, a couple of different coupons that are out there. We have uh, one that's Valentine, and then the other one is Shamrock. Shamrock is for uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day. That's probably the one that you'll you'll hear about. But by the way, there's all sorts of coupons for uh, like 15% off, 10% off. Go to the Facebook page, and we always put the uh, coupons out there. And also in the uh, newsletter, we'll put the coupon. Uh, and also the scholarships guide, it's been updated for the month and for the year. So the 2019 scholarships guide is out there, and that's part of all the courses. Again, we set it up as a course because uh, we like to do a little bit of explanation, but we want to constantly update it every month. And it's really inexpensive, $10 for a whole year access to the uh, aerospace scholarships guide. Um, but anyway, let's move on to our topic this week. But before we start, I kind of alluded to this in the beginning. I... <laughs> had an interesting conversation with one of the uh, students on the flight team, and uh, she came up to me and said, well, how was your vacation in San Juan? And I looked at her, I said, vacation? What do you mean, vacation? She goes, well, you were in San Juan. Weren't you on vacation? I said, no, I was working. She goes, well, it didn't look like work to me. Like I looked at her and said, "What do you mean? That was that was my overnight." I, I put pictures a lot of times on my Facebook page. You can go check it out. But um, of the different places I go to, and of course in San Juan, what I do for exercise instead of going to the gym and working out, I go and I I walk real fast along this the fort El Moro and in Old San Juan. I always go to Old San Juan, and what I'll do is go up and down the streets, and a lot of times I see some amazing views, and I decide, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take some pictures of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the pictures I take are of these beautiful venues of beautiful views. And, uh, but don't, don't get the, the feeling that all I do is have fun on these overnights. I mean, cause that's not totally true. Although on that one, I was, I was there for 24 hours and it was so, what was the funny part about it is I, I was kind of getting upset because I'm like, wait a minute, I was working really hard. And the part of it that she didn't realize my student is the fact that I was, you know, going, I was going there and get at what four, no, wait, I got in at two in the morning, two in the morning, I got to the hotel. So that was kind of a warming out a little. I get up in the middle of the day, I start walking around, but the next day, my flight, I had to get up at one o'clock in the morning for my flight. So it really was a little bit strenuous to be able to kind of do those things and get up at those strange times. So when we go on overnights, a lot of times people don't realize that, yeah, we're in an area for say 16 hours. Sometimes that 16 hours 
uh, you may wind up spending, uh, you know, <laughs> sleeping and just recovering from some of the overnights. I know, Robert, that you've had some really cool different places you've overnighted, but aren't there times that, man, you just, you're just like, oh, man, I'm just going to relax. Yeah, I do that on occasion where you just don't even want to leave the room. You're, you go downstairs the next morning and your captain is like, hey, what, what did you end up doing last night? And I'm like, Phew. I didn't even leave the room, like not even. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I've got, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure it's like I've got the three kids, so when I'm home, I'm pretty much going all the time. So <laughs> it, it's funny you said that because I was just thinking about that with the, the captain I was flying with. He actually said, you know, I, I felt bad because I kind of blew him off because I was I was out exercising. And then the other part of my trip, I was in Newark visiting family. And we never really spent much time. We had dinner one night. That was about it. It was a five-day trip, so it was a long trip. And uh, he said, listen, I've got kids at home. And I like sometimes when I go on my trips and I get to relax and get away from it all and have some quiet time by myself. And uh, and you obviously can understand that having children. It is nice, I guess, to, to get away and just relax. Yeah, and I, I typically bid for pretty, pretty uh, heavy trips you know, pretty busy trips. So it's not as much relaxed time as that, you know, we usually fly a lot cause I like to credit a lot on a trip. And then, yeah, when I get in a room, I mean, I, I have a routine. I try to get my workouts in. Um, but, uh, you know, every once in a while it is nice. You do get a little bit of that socialness where if you're flying with a guy, you like, they're like, Hey, I'm going to be down here for dinner. I said, okay, cool. I'll meet you down. I might have a glass of wine and just hang out and try to be social if I can fit it in. But sometimes I'm just too dog tired to do it. I just can't do it. So by the time the workout's done and everything, I'm I'm ready to hit, you know, go to bed, hit the hay, and and call it a day. You know. It's interesting you brought that up. Maybe we should explain that a little bit. Um, when you're bidding your trips, you can actually like I like to bid trips with long overnights in certain cities, but you can actually bid trips that are incredibly efficient, meaning that you fly a lot during the trip. And uh, for me, you know, I'll try to maybe fly five hours a day or less. Um, but some people like to put in the six, seven, eight hours a day, and uh, those are the trips that pay a lot better. You know, for me, I like to go and I, I visit a lot. But there are trips I do uh, I do fly a lot where it's just fly, 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 go to hotel room, sleep, fly, fly, fly. So uh, that part of the job, yeah, that can that can be uh, somewhat work, but uh, it is nice to credit uh, high value on your trip. So in other words, a three-day trip could be worth 15 hours or a three-day trip could be worth 20 hours. And the philosophy is, hey, if I'm going to go to work for three days, I want to maximize my effort. Whereas uh, with me, many times when I go to work, I'm, I actually use my job to visit with family. And a good example is tomorrow I start a trip. Tomorrow will be Friday. And uh, I wind up in D.C. And then I'm in, in D.C. for a full day on Saturday. And I have a relative I haven't seen in decades uh, that turns out is living there. So I'm going to spend my day and do it on the company's dime and visit with uh, my relative for that whole day. So that's those are the kind of stories you like to hear. But uh, but it's also fun to do a lot of a lot of legs. But uh, but this is my job. It's not my vacation. So I just want to get that across. <laughs> so so Maddie, who who came up to me the other day and said, you know, oh, how was your vacation? I'm like, I was a little incensed. And at first, I think she saw the shock look in my face. I was like, wait a minute, this is my job. And I started thinking about, it. yeah, she's right. Okay, 
it was kind of like a vacation on that one day. So, uh, but all uh, fun games until four a.m. Wake up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great way to put it. It sure is all fun and games until the till the one a.m. Wake up or the four a.m. Wake up, and that's uh, that's when it gets tough. Uh, but uh, but no, no, I really like my job and. Uh, there are days when you're sitting there pinching yourself, sitting on the beach in some Caribbean destination for 36 hours, and that's kind of when it gets really cool. Instead of sitting in Detroit when it's uh, January and there's 20 inches of snow on the ground, those are two different sides of that job. Uh, I guess we try to keep it positive, not talk so much about the 20 inches in Detroit, <laughs> which lately it's been like that. Whew, I just did 18 hours in uh, Baltimore, unscheduled because everything canceled, and it was 16 degrees, so... That that definitely wasn't a vacation. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, here's another good thing to get across. During these unscheduled flights, many airlines like mine will pay extra money. And my five-day trip, I wound up, or I should say on my last four-day trip, I wound up uh, actually getting emergency assignment pay, which is like uh, like time and a half or so. And then on the end of the trip, they made me uh, fly extra. So I got almost double time for an extra day of pay for 10 hours of, of pay. And, and with all that said, uh, you know, I've had the highest paycheck I ever had at the airlines uh, just because of the, the holidays, you know, all those emergency assignments and extended pairings, as we call it. In other words, you, you don't finish off your pairing. You got to keep working for a day or two. So there's a lot of opportunity to make money. So if you're the type of person that wants to make money in crew scheduling calls, just say yes. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the philosophy there because they're, they're going to offer you a lot of a lot of money to, to actually do a trip. But anyway, just um what a, with all that said, there's uh, the other side of this. I, I appreciate, by the way, all the people have signed up for coaching. Uh, you can obviously go to the coaching tab on the website. Take a look at my calendar. Some people have complained they can't get into my calendar. Uh, but take a look. See if you can. Sometimes it's a week or two to get into the calendar. Uh, but it's uh, you know right there uh, so you can see if you can jump in or not. If you're going to have an interview... It's hard for me to schedule something last minute. I'm doing an interview prep with someone who's three weeks out, so that works out really well. But I will try to get you in. I don't do these coaching sessions on the overnights uh, just because of that fact, because a lot of times uh, if I try to do a coaching session, I'll get no sleep and I'll be fatigued for work, and we, we really don't want to do that. But interestingly enough, though, I had a coaching client, and uh, he was so excited. He, he was thinking about getting into this as a career because – he had somebody that is a pilot that loves their job, working at a regional, and uh, he's like, man, you know, never thought I could do this. And he's like, in a career, he's doing well, but he's like, gosh, you know, I think I want to do this. I'm in my 30s. Uh, so we, we talked a little bit and put a strategy together as to how to get from here to there. And he took his discovery flight. But one of the things that happened during Discovery Flight was this. His first experience was not really that good. He went out to the flight school where he had scheduled a Discovery Flight. Now, for those of you that are flight instructors listening right now, this Discovery Flight is probably the most important flight because that's where you're selling your student on yourself. And we're all, as the flight instructors, paid by the hour. So if we can't attract students, then we're not going to get paid as much. So make sure... You concentrate on that student. I've always said the first, the discovery flight, even if it's 20 minutes, you should book yourself for two hours just to sit down and explain to them because you're also selling them on the whole idea of coming to you to do flight instruction. Well, this person, he went to the flight school he scheduled with. 
And lo and behold, there was no flight instructors there available to do a discovery flight. Because a lot of people, yeah, they don't want to go and do the discovery flights. And it's kind of sad and because they don't realize the opportunity. And really, the one thing I think a lot of flight schools don't do, some do this well, but most do not do, they don't market very well. And their customer service isn't that great. They just, they wait for the, the client to come to them because there's not many places you can go to actually learn how to fly. You know, it... it <laughs> Be honest, it's at the airport, and how many airports are out there? You know, so they they know they have a captive audience. So sometimes they're uh, they they don't realize they have to treat everybody like a customer and a customer that could possibly walk away. So that's exactly what this person did. He wound up walking away, went to another flight school, and when he got to that flight school, he said, "Hey, is there any chance that I can do a discovery flight today? Kind of like a first lesson." Well, he went out there. And he did the discovery flight. They put it down as a lesson, and he wound up getting billed quite a bit. I think it was like, I don't know, $250 or something for his first flight, for his discovery flight, which is unheard of. Usually the first, it's a, a, a lost leader kind of thing. Uh, a lot of times you get a discovery flight for 100 bucks or so, and some are like 75 Some are close to free, just so they can get you in the door and sell you on it. And uh, he was really discouraged and wrote me and said, hey, listen, you know, what's... You know, is this this is my first experience in aviation? Should I let this discourage me? And I'm telling uh, that person and telling you that don't let your first bad experience uh, discourage you. You know, don't let any bad experience really discourage you from flying. But the worst one is the first one, and that's where we have to be careful when we're flight instructors and we're people marketing our schools and marketing our wares that we make sure we pay attention to that person that's coming in because we can really drive them away. So if you're a flight instructor, learn from this experience because that customer is going away. They're not coming back. And remember, that's uh, that's quite a bit of money you just lost in income. But for the person that's listening right now who's had a bad discovery flight, just keep looking. Um, there's, we could tell many, and I'm sure Robert, you have horror stories, uh, you know, the discovery flight where you go up and they do stalls and, uh, some even do spins. I mean, that's not what the discovery flight is supposed to be. I know Robert, you, you've done quite a few discovery flights. I mean, um, I think they're important. What do you think? Oh, I actually, to be quite honest, they're one of my favorite things to do because it's pretty easy. You know, you go up and uh, the the person you're taking up is usually super excited and you know you kind of feed off that excitement so you, you you know go back to when i remember my first discovery flight and uh you know you go and it's your first time manipulating the controls of an airplane it's kind of like you see how the whole thing works so yeah they're extremely important and as a flight instructor they can be an extreme amount of fun too on your end so yeah don't i mean don't blow it because it's they're not they're not difficult it's you know, it's. I would think think of uh, taking the student from start to finish, where you got to work on some of the more difficult things, teaching them how to land, do all that stuff. Like that's actually work. In my mind, I liked it so much because discovery flights weren't really like work at the time because you know you kind of talk them through the takeoff and you talk them through the landing, but all the hard work is kind of done. It's just kind of getting them to fly straight and level. So I, I know um, where we were situated at. You know, we'd only do discovery flights, especially in the summertime, maybe in the mornings, or if we had to do one in the afternoon or we had a walk-in, you know, I'd take them over the bay 
Tampa Bay because it was smoother. You're not getting a thermal. So those kind of considerations where you try to make it a pleasant experience is extremely important. And like you said, it, you, you can dissuade people from from going into aviation, even if they're just doing it for fun. You got to be, oh, I don't really want to do that because that was absolutely miserable. I got sick, you know. So absolutely, they're extremely important, especially if you're trying to build a student base as a flight instructor. Yeah, and that's where I think we should also talk a little bit about not letting a bad first experience discourage you in no matter what it is. So for a good example is you can have a bad first experience with landings, and uh, some people really get discouraged at that. But remember, this is your first landing. It's not going to be smooth, although many times it can be because you are not you don't know what you're doing. You don't overcorrect, and, and sometimes as you go down the road, you, you when you start trying to do your first landing with no help, it gets quite discouraging. Well, don't let that bad experience get you discouraged because that's going to happen in everything you do in life. There's, there's going to be an experience. The first experience could be horrible. A good example is in the restaurant business. You know, the first time you go in a restaurant and you have a bad experience, you're probably never coming back to that restaurant again. But if the first experience is good, you're coming back and maybe you go 10 times and the 11th time you have a bad experience, you'll still probably come back on the 12th. But the first experience is always the one that's the strongest in your mind. I'm just saying is, is don't let it be. Don't try to give you know the, the company or whatever a, a second chance or, or give the industry a second chance to make up for that. And unfortunately, that happens a lot because we really we're doing a better job, uh, but we still have a long way to go as far as flight schools and FBOs. Um, I was lucky to have been a, a quite a few flight schools that had some great customer service and treated their students really, really well. So uh, just same thing with flying a jet or whatever it may be. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. I, I, I felt like I was so far behind. Well, it gets better. So, so my, my word to you is keep trying. That's for sure. Keep moving forward. Well, Robert, what do you think? Should we try a, uh, a question since we have some time for that? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, but yeah, again, don't let that bad experience get to you. And by the way, if you have questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Again, the feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Let me uh, read this message that came in from, this is an email. It says, hello, I've been listening to your podcast since this past summer. I appreciate your investment in supporting the aviation industry and helping many like me launch an exciting new career. I'm 55 years old. I'll be retiring in July of 2020 after a long and amazing career in education. My goal is to transition into a new career, aviation. I'm currently pursuing my private pilot certificate and hope to continue on until I'm eligible to fly professionally. My goal is to do just that. However, I realize that my age presents some obstacles and potential limitations. I'm interested in learning your perspective on how I can make this dream a reality. What would be realistic options to become a professional pilot and the best route toward that goal? If being a professional pilot is not realistic, what other career paths would you suggest in aviation field that I could pursue? Regardless, I will continue pursuing flying, either recreationally or professionally. I love to combine my love of flight with an exciting new career to take me places I've never dreamed. Thanks 
very much for taking the time to learn more about me. I look forward to hearing back from you soon. Well, thanks for that email. And at 55 years old, yeah, it's uh, it's never too old to get into aviation, especially after another career, because you just have to define it, and you have to understand the limitations, like you were saying. At 55, if you were to get all your ratings, you still can get to a quote-unquote an airline. Maybe it'll be a regional. It may not be a major. You could possibly make it to a major, uh, but it may only be for a few years. With that said, the time building right now to make you eligible for other jobs, like you asked about what other jobs there are, to, to build time, the regionals are a great way to go because they fly so much. So, for instance, there is no limitation on flying corporate or many, many other jobs that are out there, uh, you know, medical services, uh, uh, deliveries, that kind of thing, and, and also doing EMS. There's certain jobs out there that are not limiting age-wise. So look towards those also, but I still would encourage you to look at the regionals, and the regionals are hiring even at uh, people over 50 years old. It's a great way to build time. Uh, from the regional standpoint, they know you're going to roll off. Once you start making money, you're going to have to move on because you have to retire at 65. But uh, there's many other things. We've talked a lot about that in this, is that uh, something that I think people discount, especially people in education, is the fact that you can continue in education as an instructor, as a flight instructor, as a matter of fact. I mean, that's one of the most incredible things in the world. I, Man, I tell you, I love teaching. I've gotten involved with a college here. You can do the same. You can get involved in your high school. There's so many ways to get involved in aviation and maybe even design the life that you really want now moving into career 2.0, you know, and, and getting into that encore career is kind of what we're talking about here. There's so many people that are wanting to do it in aviation. You've got many years of flying ahead of you. Uh, just don't be discouraged by the fact that 65 is it for the airlines. As a professional pilot, um, there are many professional pilots that don't fly for the airlines. So just re remember that. I know um, Robert, you've done some uh, little bit of corporate, but also primarily airlines. And there's many jobs. You met like a good let's a good example. Let's use Peter O'Knight. I mean, how many different little corporate jobs are out there, Robert? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, and uh, I, I wouldn't be discouraged by the 55. Are you going to have the 20 years at the major or what have you? No, you're not. Probably be difficult if you're just starting out 55 to maybe make it up to the majors. Definitely, you can easily do the regionals, not a problem. And the good thing about that is you will build that time quickly, like you said, Carl, in the regionals. Um, but you can also work at your local FBO. I second the flight instructing. You seem like you'd be a really good candidate to do the uh, the flight instructing with the education background, just as you said, Carl. And then part-time, it. you could do the, the flight instructing full-time if you wanted, part-time. Uh, you can go into school where you make your own schedule, which would be really awesome. And then on the side, exactly, those little, you could fly, uh, you know, 421s or Piper Navajos. I know uh, Peter and I, they had all kinds of little gigs like that where, you know, a King Air job would come open or flying a Navajo or, or just doing something where you could actually diversify it. Flight instruct, diversify uh, in one of those type of airplanes on a full-time or part-time deal. Uh, there really, there is so many possibilities. So absolutely do not let the 55 discourage you at all because uh, you can make a very worthwhile second career from it. I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. I'm glad you brought that up too about the Navajos and stuff. Don't forget, there's even planes that are smaller than that. Uh, 182, a lot of people start using 182s as their corporate aircraft for their business. As a matter of fact, 
Uh, I was in the FBO the other day and had a guy come in. He had a Cessna 172 that he used for his business. And he would fly around in that aircraft. And sometimes he would hire a pilot, especially during periods where he had some really important meetings. The 182 that I was actually partners in was used actually as a corporate aircraft for an individual who was building his business. And what happens is this, and this is really cool, is that that individual, in this example, went on and bought uh, Baron. And then what happened is that person that was flying the 182, well, they went on to fly the Baron. And, and this individual that owned the Baron actually paid for the flight time so that he could get on the insurance to go fly that aircraft. And that's a small, light twin. And, uh, you know, now actually he's talking about maybe a turboprop and, and kind of moving up the chain there. And another point, too, about the regional, I'm glad you said that, Robert, that it really is available to you, is the regional airlines. Re- remember, the regional airlines now are what the majors used to be. They are flying aircraft that are bigger than what they used to fly at the majors. I'll give you an example, a DC-3 with 30 seats in it. I mean, the regionals have been flying 30-seat aircraft for a long time. That used to be an airplane that United Airlines would fly. Now we're talking about 70-seat aircraft and more that are being flown that also have meals and have first class at the regional airline level. So this line between regional and major has has really become skewed. And I, I think also because of that, many of the airline major airline pilots are realizing, gosh, you know, here we're losing a lot of this flying and also jobs to some of those regional pilots. Uh, and, and I think someday, not in the near future, but maybe 20 years down the road, they may start saying, okay, you know, let's not have a regional. Let's all be one big airline. It's a great way to actually control the product you have. And also, if you, you know, lose your job at the majors flying the bigger plane, you can go back and fly uh, fly that regional aircraft. Robert, I can't remember. Did you did you fly one of the bigger, uh, like the 70-seat uh, regionals, or was it a 50-seat? Uh, just 50-seat for me, so... Yeah, I mean, you could definitely go that route, and if you, if you like the regional, stay in there till you're forced out at 65. If you don't, well, it's a second career. You can really do what you want and make your own career. So if you hate it, and you, you know you got a bunch of 4 a.m. wake ups and not as much time on the beach as Carl spends, and you're like, this ain't for me. Uh, bail, go do something else. That's what's nice about it. It's uh, you're not trying to work to get your time to get to a major and all that stuff. It's it's really kind of a, a really good position to be in. Actually, it takes a lot of that stress off. Well, thanks for the dig and uh, and that good comments though. I mean, that's that's very true. You really can go to some cool spots, especially with some of these regionals now that can make it down to the Caribbean. You see them down in Cuba. I see them down uh, even in Puerto Rico and stuff like that. All throughout these really cool spots, well into Canada, uh, a lot of the perimeter countries, Mexico. Uh, so you definitely see many many regionals flying to those destinations the majors went to and i know a good example of this is you look at at airlines and when you're looking at a regional airline remember yesterday was yesterday and today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow meaning that today they could announce that they have a whole new uh set of aircraft that they're coming on order or going to order and coming on property that happened to express jet airlines recently with their 175 scs a special configuration where they're actually bringing on more airplanes and at one point express jet was like the place nobody wanted to go but years ago was the place everybody wanted to go now it's going back to that so just remember this i'm just using express jet as an example remember that there are every 
airline has its ups and downs and you may have your heart set on a certain airline but when it's time for you to get hired that may not be the place to go it may not be the best situation so always keep your eyes open that's that's for darn sure so uh but 55 definitely not uh, not too old to fly, that's for sure, and go in this as a profession. Just keep your eyes open and all their different options. So let's see, we've got time for one more question, so let's go on to that. I think it's a similar question. It says, uh, hi, thanks for the podcast. I think it's awesome, especially for those looking to start a career in aviation. I currently work in healthcare as a physician assistant, so I'm well-established in my career, but I've always loved and been infatuated with flying. I've served in the military for 26 years, and I'm currently 48 years old with zero flight hours. I've read a lot of literature on mandated retirement age and is a thing such as that I have been told that I'm probably too old to go to a major airline by the time I would have the required flight hours to even begin applying. Is it possible to get employed with maybe the private sector or regionals, I'm definitely planning on getting my private pilot license, but I was not sure how far I could carry this. I appreciate any feedback you can give. Well, you know what? You can just ditto the last, what we talked about, the last person, uh, 48 years old, zero flight time. Yeah, you have a lot of time to get to the regionals. And Oh, and the other thing we didn't mention, Robert, is remember when you're flying for the regionals, you're flying for the majors. In other words, you're flying for like a United, a Delta, whatever. It's very rare that you're actually flying under the banner of like uh, Continental Express was years ago, you know, now it's like, or Express Jet is now, it's actually going to say United or Delta on the side of the plane. What does that mean for you? You get travel benefits, which is awesome. So just don't forget that when you start working for that regional, and even before you start, by the way, a lot of the regionals now, they're hiring you in about six months out or even further. They're letting you sign up, like we talked about with GoJets in the last interview. They're signing you up with benefits on the major carrier that they fly for. I think that's totally awesome, so do not forget about that. It's very, very important to uh, to think about those benefits when you do look at your job. I mean, think about the fact that you could take you and your family. Say uh, you're an empty nester. You and your you know spouse can go somewhere, and you can fly that all sorts of places in the world to some really cool spots and just, just kind of get away from it all. I know I've done that, you know, and just kind of, and I go to Puerto Rico a lot. So I, I do a lot of, even my vacations, I'll head over to San Juan just cause I know the place real well. So I'll go over there and just hang out and enjoy a weekend away uh, or maybe three days or maybe a week, you know, depending. And that's the type of thing you can decide upon. I know I did this with my wife once we went away. I think it was just gonna be a couple of days and we wound up just hanging out for the week uh, in, and just relaxing for a whole week in, in Puerto Rico just because of the fact I had the Internet and I can do most of my work on the Internet. So there are those really cool options out there. That's that's for sure. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah, that's uh, the, the, what the last question was, I think, is uh, ditto for you. Um, so really one of the important things here that Robert and I talked about before we close is the fact that you really shouldn't be discouraged about uh, your first experience. And one of the things that I, I really want to get across is don't let a bad first experience discourage you. I know, Robert, I'm, I'm sure you have some stories about something you had a bad experience with and, and thought about giving up, and but you kind of pursued, you persevered, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you'll like we've talked about before, you'll have the hydrant lows and you know, sometimes I, I'm sure I've made mistakes as a flight instructor on the on the flip side of the coin where I was a pretty young instructor, so you know, 
I probably made a lot of mistakes that I didn't even know I was making at the time that probably did some things that turned some people off on the flip side of the coin because it's a learning process too for instructors and all that. So yeah, absolutely. I've, I've probably been on both sides of it and um, I hope that uh, that as uh, people who are instructors listening to this now or, or wherever you're at, uh, just know that um, you know we, people coming into the, the industry or people who want to fly, we need to give them a good... Uh, learning environment and, and a positive experience because they'll, uh, you know, everyone's going to experience those highs and lows. So I think it's just working through that. And if it's something that you really want to do, you'll stick your, your nose to the grindstone and get it done. So absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I always regret the ones that I, that I let get away and say, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I think I, I gave them the wrong impression and, uh, but it happens. So, uh, so definitely never, ever let that bad first experience discourage you from anything in life. Really start looking at other options, pursue it. Uh, don't believe the hype out there on the internet. Make sure you really look deep inside yourself and say, hey, if this was, maybe I need to try it one more time or two more times. If you find out that you don't like it after a few times, then I'd say, yeah, give up. But to the person who, who had that bad experience, I'd say, don't let it discourage you. Keep trying and keep moving forward. Well, that's all we have for today. And uh, I'm, oh, and by the way, thanks so much for the feedback on the last interview that we did with GoJets. Uh, I didn't realize how much people would really enjoy that. I guess I need to concentrate on getting some more of those people from the airlines onto the show because uh, you always hear me talking and I, uh, I get it. Uh, some of the comments, especially Mer what Myrna said about the lifestyle really resonated with a lot of you. And I, I, uh, I would encourage you to go back to episode 209 if you haven't listened to that interview about GoJets. Even if you're not interested in GoJets, she, she and both of them had some great information about the career. Uh, so yes, I will start getting more of those regional airlines on the show. Uh, it helps them. It helps get their product out there too. So it's a, it's a win-win situation for both of us in that it helps you so that you can understand what they're about and what the career is about and uh, it helps us bring more information to you. I think that's that's terrific. But but just remember to do something today to move forward in your career. Don't let anything discourage you. If you, If it was discouraging, stop. Forget it move on, do something now to, to move forward. Just maybe you need to take a little bit of a break. That could be the one thing you need to do and just relax, think about what happened and say, let me restart. So that may be the one thing you need to do, but do something now, do something today to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe line. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.